0: Log Talk Radio. The
1: Bible.
2: show right with Trupee Toll Radio and they get started with the lesson. This is uh, John MacArthur, The Church is One Body Partner.
3: The following sermon is by John MacArthur, pastor, author, and Bible teacher with Grace to You. If you have never contacted Grace to You, we want to send you a free booklet by John called Found God's Peace. It will show you the power you have as a believer to defeat worry and to experience profound peace in every circumstance. Request your free booklet by writing to peace at gty.org. That's peace at gty.org. This offer is good in North America and Europe through December 2021. And now, unleashing God's truth one verse at a time, here's grace to you Bible teacher John MacArthur.
4: Let's turn to Ephesians 2, and uh, this is uh, going to be an introduction, obviously, to a very important portion of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, and I need to read it to you starting in verse 11. Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, or the hatred, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through Him we both have our access in one Spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. This is a powerful and critically important text of Scripture. Paul is facing a very, very large problem here in the church, the New Testament church, and that is the problem of disunity between Jews and Gentiles. Now, nobody is surprised to find disunity in the church. That's pretty common. Always has been common. And it is on full display today as all kinds of assaults on the unity of the church are taking place. Some of them under some righteous fabrication. But all of them essentially are actually unrighteous. Anything that fractures and fragments and shreds the church is a dishonor to the Lord Himself, who is the head of the church. But Paul faced that and we still face it today. It isn't just because human beings have a hard time getting along, even those who are saved and sanctified. It is because in Paul's case, there were some deep-seated hatred. And the, the, two components of that hatred were the Jews and the Gentiles. They hated each other. And this um, found its way into the church and had to be addressed. But in order to understand it, I, I want you to go back to perhaps you would think an unlikely place, but I want you to go back to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. We will be able better to understand what Paul is facing if we understand the story of Jonah. Now, everybody knows the story of Jonah, but do they really understand the point of the story? The the book of Jonah is the story of a disobedient prophet who, like his nation Israel, hated the pagan Gentiles. Now, let's get that at the very outset. Israel hated the Gentiles. They hated them deeply. They had cultivated hate generationally, so it was in the fabric of their being. Here is the prophet who, along with his nation, also hates Gentiles, and he is called by God to go to a Gentile city, one of the great Gentile cities in the ancient world, one of the great pagan cities, city of Nineveh in Assyria. This is the calling that Jonah receives from God. He rejects the calling and he runs the other direction. We all know the story and the rest of the story is a whale of a tale. And after a monumental miracle of survival inside the great fish and being vomited back up on the land, Jonah finally goes to Nineveh and he preaches, calls the city to repentance, and the whole city of Nineveh repents. When the whole city repents, Jonah is mad. He is angry, he is disgusted, he is disappointed, he is depressed. Why? Because Jonah did not want Gentiles to be delivered from judgment. He wanted them to feel the full fury of God's wrath. So, just in case you wondered, Jonah is not the hero of the story by any means. He is the anti-hero. Jonah is the villain. Jonah is the villain. He is the very worst example of a missionary in all of Scripture. So there is a point. Don't be a missionary like Jonah. But that's really not the main point. Jonah is a bad-hearted missionary who even after an incredibly miraculous deliverance, is angry at God. He's angry at God because God was merciful. Because like his nation, he hates Gentiles. Now if you're saying, well, well, who are the Gentiles? All non-Jews. All non-Jews fall into that category. So if Jonah's not the hero of the story, who is the hero? There is a hero in the story. But the hero in the story is God. God is the hero of the story. And God is very unlike Jonah. God loves and God sends a preacher. God calls for the wicked to repent. And then God shows them mercy and grace, compassion and salvation, even though they were extremely wicked. Now, it is clear that God had chosen Israel as His people. Yes, they were chosen as His people to be the recipient of divine revelation, the law, and uh, the rest of the Old Testament. They were also a nation that received the priesthood, who then could be intermediaries with God from the people. They were the nation that received the prophets, who would speak to the people on behalf of God. Israel was chosen as the stage for the great drama of redemption. They were the people with whom God lived. He dwelt with them. But all of that was not an end in itself, but only a means to an end. All of that was so that they could be a witness nation to the rest of the world, all the Gentiles. They were designed to be a missionary nation. Way back in the uh, book of Exodus, and in chapter 19, this is laid out in unmistakable terms. God speaks, and He says to Moses, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel, this is in chapter 19, verse 3 of Exodus, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, How I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to Myself. In other words, God, through miracles, got them out of Egypt to the promised land. Now, verse 5, Now then, if you will indeed obey My voice and keep My covenant, then you shall be My own possession among all the nations. For all the earth is Mine. I'm laying claim to the whole earth, all the nations. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. In other words, you are a priest nation. And what does a priest do? Bring people before God. He's an intermediary. Israel had the responsibility to be a witness of the truth of the one true and living God. They were to tell the nations there was only one God, like the Shema in Deuteronomy 6 and that all were to love the Lord their God with all their hearts, soul, mind, and strength. That was their reason to be chosen, to be the domain of God, to receive the law of God, the priesthood, and the prophets. But Jonah reflects the fact that the nation Israel had failed totally to accept that mission responsibility. Look at how Jonah begins. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1 the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. The word of of Yahweh, literally, the word of Yahweh came to Jonah. Revelation from God. But more than that, this is the word of Yahweh. And who is the word of Yahweh? The same one in John 1 who created everything. The word who was with God, who was God, and by whom everything was made. So the One who is the Creator is also the One who, who brings the call to Jonah. The One who by the word of His mouth made the heavens is the One who speaks to Jonah. This is a divine call. Jonah, go and cry against that city. This is because God is going to save Gentiles. If you go all the way to the end of the Bible in the seventh chapter of Revelation, you'll see a list of all the nations, at least some representative nations, that God is saving people from throughout redemptive history, and you see that list at the end of Scripture. God is using His people to reach the world. Israel was to be that national instrument to bring salvation to the nation. So here is Jonah, and he is told to go. And he is told to cry against them for their wickedness and call them to repentance. Now God had called many other prophets to speak a message to other nations. Abraham did that. Moses did that. Elijah did it. Elisha did it. Jeremiah did it. Ezekiel did it. Daniel did it and others. But Jonah is the first one to go. All the other prophets spoke about other nations and to other nations from wherever they were located. They didn't go anywhere. But in the case of Jonah, he has to go into the despised realm of the Gentiles. He's called to go. The whole drama is based on Jonah's hatred for such a mission. He hates that God is asking him to do this. Why? Because it's hard? Why? Because he thinks he might be persecuted? No. Go over to chapter 3, verse 10. When God saw their deeds and they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which He had declared He would bring upon them, and He didn't do it. They repented. They actually repented. We see that back in verse 3. Chapter 3, Jonah rose... Went to Nineveh, exceedingly great city, three days walk. He cried out in verse 4, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Verse 5, the people of Nineveh believed in God and they called a fast and put sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them, all the way up to the king. The whole city essentially repented and believed in God. And how did Jonah respond? Look at chapter 4. Verse 1, it greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry. That is so bizarre, isn't it? He became angry and he prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? I knew you would do this. This is why I didn't want to go. Because I don't want any Gentiles receiving your mercy. They don't deserve it. But I knew You are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. I knew you were like this. I knew you'd save those people. Jonah is reflecting the attitude of the nation Israel. They had no desire for the Gentiles to be converted. The Gentiles had been their enemies. The Gentiles had been blaspheming enemies of God. and They had been faithful, the Jews. And they thought they were protecting the character of God and the honor of God by hating the blasphemers. They certainly had no desire for God to show them salvation. Now listen, this is not about ethnic identity. Some people want to bring that into the discussion. This is not about ethnic identity. They hated all non-Jews. It wasn't ethnicity that was the issue. It was religion. Because there was only one true religion and every other religion was a false religion. And they thought it was noble of them to hate false religion, to hate blasphemers, and to be zealous for the protection of Yahweh. The Jews thought, we deserve, we deserve salvation. We've earned it. We've earned it. We're the children of Abraham. They said that to Jesus. And the Gentiles did not. And especially the Assyrians. Wretched, wicked pagans. Jonah goes to them, maybe about 750 B.C. Thirty years later or so, The Assyrians, the next generation after the generation that believed, God used as the instrument of judgment and took the entire nation Israel, the northern kingdom, into captivity from which they never returned. One generation after this revival, the Assyrians were back to paganism and God used them as an instrument of judgment on the Jews in the captivity of 722 B.C., and never did Israel return the northern kingdom again. So this hostility that they had toward the nations, they had fought them. The the nations had not only blasphemed God, but they had been enemies of Israel, and blood had been spilt almost continuously. The hatred went very deep. Jonah hated them. And he is simply such a bad prophet, such a bad prophet, that in spite of his incredible story, the Jews canceled him. They, they just canceled him out of their history. How do I know that? Because in John 7, verse 52, the Jews said to Jesus, who was from Galilee, search and see no prophet arises out of Galilee. They said to Jesus, You say you're a prophet and you're from Galilee? Search and see. No prophet arises out of Galilee. Wait a minute. Jonah was from Galilee. But he had been canceled out of their history. He was such a disastrous prophet. This animosity between Jew and Gentile went from generation to generation to generation to generation, and it showed up in the New Testament. It showed up in the New Testament. Still very strong. It showed up in the early church. To the degree that on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and um, the church was begun by the power of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people were converted, and they spoke in those foreign languages and there was the evidence of the presence of the Spirit in fire, That was for the Jews. And the Jews, uh, the Lord knew, would not be able to accept the fact that that would ever be done for Gentiles, even the Jews in the early church. So when the Samaritans came to faith in chapter 8, the Lord had to repeat what happened on Pentecost. Have some apostles there to see that they received the same Spirit with the same attendant signs and wonders Because nobody nobody would believe, none of the Jews would believe that the Samaritans would be accepted into the church. And in chapter 10 of the book of Acts, the Gentiles are converted, Cornelius. And the Holy Spirit doesn't come until the apostles show up there and they see the same exact phenomenon the Holy Spirit's coming that they saw in Acts 2. Because God was saying, you have to accept the Samaritan half-breeds. You have to accept the Gentiles It's one church. And again, this is not about ethnic reconciliation. This is about religious hostility. The people in the early church were struggling with this. That's why Paul wrote the text I just read you. You people have to understand Jew and Gentile need to get together. In Galatians, there's neither Jew nor Greek. In Romans chapter 10, there's neither Jew nor Greek. You've got to come together as one. In fact, the church has taken over the responsibility that Israel failed to fulfill. Listen to the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Go, this is the Lord speaking to the disciples and launching them after that in Acts 1.8. When the Spirit comes upon you, you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So there's a new commission of the church. But even the church, the early church, struggled with that. They struggled with letting the Gentiles in. They struggled so much that there was a major council in the city of Jerusalem to figure out what they were going to do with Gentiles because Gentiles were be converted under the ministry of Paul. Paul in his epistles addresses the fact that the church is one. You've got to get over centuries and millennia of hatred. In 1 Corinthians 12.12, Paul said this, For as the body is one and hath many members, the physical body, one body, many parts, there's still one body, so is Christ. The church is like your body. One body, many parts, In the next verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we read, For by one Spirit are we all immersed into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free. We've all been made to drink into one Spirit. Four times in those verses, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, and 13, the word body appears. You're all one. We we all are brought into the body by one Spirit. Every biblical metaphor of the church basically focuses on its unity, emphasizes its unity. The church, for example, is one bride with one husband. The church is one flock with one shepherd. The church is one set of branches with one vine. It is one kingdom with one king, one family with one father, one building with one foundation, one body with one head. There are no classes. There are no ethnic distinctions. There is no hierarchy. There are no blue-ribbon sheep. We're all one. That's why Paul was so upset with the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, I can't even write to you as you are so in the flesh. I can't write to you as mature believers, but as fleshly because you are so fractured. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. I'm of Christ. This is nothing but carnality. And I I just say in the broadest sense possible, anything that assaults the unity of the church is the flesh. I don't care what justification people think they might have. God chose the Jewish people not to be an end, but to be the means to the end of world evangelization. Since the day God called Abraham, He made a distinction between Jew and Gentile. But that's not a racial distinction. That's a religious distinction. Those who were the people of God and had the revelation of God needed to reach the rest of the world. But there was always going to be a potential problem because God built into Israel's life certain restrictions that kept them from easy interface with Gentiles, they had uh, they, were, they had their own land, and the Lord cleaned out much of the idolatry. They had their own customs, they had their own festivals, they had their own feasts, they had their own worship, they had their own clothing, they had their own dietary laws. And God did this to protect them, to, to isolate them for their own purity's sake, to separate them. But instead of that keeping them pure... And then, being motivated to preach the truth of the true God to the nations around them, they fell into carnal pride and they kept the laws of God ceremonially and ritually, but not morally and spiritually. And Jonah's an illustration of how they felt toward Gentiles. Carnal pride had allowed them to think of themselves as God's favored nation, and to think it was righteous to hate everybody else. They had contempt. The contempt is amazing. Here are some statements you find in Jewish writings. Gentiles are created by God to be fuel for the fires of hell. Here's another one. God loved only Israel of all the nations He made. Here's another one. It is not lawful to give help to a Gentile mother in her hour of childbirth, for that would be bringing another Gentile into the world. So even when the Lord Jesus comes, that kind of contemptuous hostility is very strong. And even in John 4, you remember the statement, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And they weren't even fully Gentile. They were half-breeds. But the barrier was fixed and it was firm. If a Jewish girl wanted to marry a Gentile boy or vice versa, the family had a funeral, not a wedding. Because to marry a Gentile was the equivalent of death. So the Jews had that animosity toward the Gentiles. And by the way, the Gentiles returned it. Gentiles looked on Jews as slave material, persecuted them, oppressed them, killed them, as you know. They called the Jews the enemies of the human race. And that epithet lasted all the way into the era of Adolf Hitler. But go back to the New Testament. You can hear the contempt in Pilate's voice. Pilate is a Roman governor. And listen to the contempt in his voice when he says, I... Surely am not a Jew, am I, contemptuous. Even across the centuries we can hear the echo of the owners of the Philippian slave girl denouncing troublemakers with these words, speaking of Paul and Silas. These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. Very deep-seated hatred. And traces of that bitterness and traces of that disunity are still with us today in what's known as anti-Semitism, right? Been around a long time. So if you want to tackle a big issue in the church of Jesus Christ as it gets started, you've got to undo centuries of animosity between Jew and Gentile because God is going to save both and they will together constitute His church. In Acts chapter 15, when the Jerusalem Council met, Paul and Silas had come back from a missionary journey and Gentiles had been converted, and the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem said, what are we going to do with them? What are we going to do with Gentile converts? And they had a big discussion. Well, do we make them into Jews first? Do you have to be a Jew? Do we need to Judaize them? Do you have to become a proselyte to Judaism before you can receive salvation? The Jerusalem Council and James, who speaks of that issue, says absolutely not. You have to accept them. Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 15, and he says, Look, you Christians are going to have to understand this. Some people regard the Sabbath, and some people don't. Some people regard dietary laws, and some people don't. This is a conscience issue based upon their past, but it can't be used to divide the church. This was a huge issue. Even Peter fell victim to it. Do you remember that? Galatians chapter 2, Peter got caught up in hypocrisy, feeling very comfortable to be with the Gentiles until some Jewish believers showed up. And then he scrambled back to act as if he was anti-Gentile. And Peter had to be rebuked by Paul. So at the very end of Paul's ministry, he was preaching unity, unity, unity in Christ. And that's his message. And Look, I didn't get to the text, but I do want to make a comment or two, so turn to it. to set the stage for next time let me remind you in verse 11 where paul says formerly you the gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision who called the gentiles uncircumcision the jews uncircumcision uncircumcision that was an that was a pejorative thing and what did the jews give back they would say of the Gentiles, uncircumcision, uncircumcision, and the Gentiles would say, circumcision, circumcision. What are you doing? Verse 13, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, namely the Gentiles, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He is our peace made both groups into one, broke down the barrier of the dividing wall, abolishing in His flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in Himself He might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. That beautiful words, isn't it? Beautiful language. and So we're all one. We're all one. And we have this... Incredibly important responsibility to protect that over in chapter four, verse 13, four, verse 13. The the objective Paul identifies here is that we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ or verse 15. We are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitted together and held together by whatever joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself. Here's the key in love. Unity is the result of what? Love. Love. So in this text that we'll look at next week, Paul says, I agree, the Gentiles were alienated. Separated from Christ, verse 12. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers to the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. But that's not true anymore because they have been brought near in Christ. We're all one. Paul was trying to resolve the most long-lasting, deep-seated animosity in biblical history, but he never gave up on it because he knew it was right. Any other lesser cause for unity has to be confronted in the same way, with the same unrelenting call to unity. That unity is obviously around doctrinal truth, but it's still a fight, still a fight because people can be divisive. The Lord prays for the unity of His church. And that was an apostolic main objective. And it is for us today as well. Father, we are grateful that You have called us together into one body. We thank You that there's neither... Jew or Greek, there's neither male or female, there's neither bond nor free, we're all one in You. That oneness is celebrated in the perfect bond of unity, which is the peace that comes from loving one another. We pray, Lord, that we might have that kind of stretching love that Peter talked about, where we reach as far as we can to embrace those who are in Christ, where we let nothing divide us. We see so much fleshly, divisive, hostile, hateful experiences going on in churches. Lord, protect us from that. May we love You with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Love others as ourselves. May we seek not our own things, but the things of others, and have the mind that You had that humbled You to the death on the cross for us. Greater love has no one than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And may we have that kind of love. May we be known for our love, because that's the truest exemplary demonstration of salvation. Increase our love more and more. Protect us from any discord, disunity. May we love each other, embrace each other in the truth, with conviction. At the same time, leave room for conscience on those things that are not biblical issues. And in all things, may we show love so that we can put on display the power of the gospel which, when it is truly proclaimed and lived, defines the people by their unity and their love, and that's our desire. Continue to lead us as we live in this world in a time of judgment. Give us wisdom. Give us joy. Give us opportunity to proclaim the glorious gospel of Christ. And we ask these things in His name. Amen.
3: You've been listening to John MacArthur, Bible Teacher with Grace to You. For free access to all of John's lessons and a listing of study Bibles and books available for sale, visit Grace to You's website at gty.org. John MacArthur and Grace T.U. reserve all copyright protection under applicable law. Our copyright policy is available at gty.org, and it includes instructions for and limitations on duplicating this digital file.
5: Let me start this off with a hallelujah To Jesus the sovereign ruler This is not a rumor Got the truth that so we about to school you Check out a style maneuver Shout it to you like the loudest group of Christ put us up from out the sewer We don't have to doubt the future Crash in our verses as we bask in his worship You asking the purpose? Partly just that cash from the furnace Through Jesus' extravagant service Immaculate purchase He was smashing the serpent and we only scratching the surface. The what he the
1: seed was conceived in the womb of a virgin The sun emerges in the manger While the angels serenade him the birth of the savior The greater our came a man came as a lamb and would be executed to execute the plan to substitute the sand in the place of the wicked on the cross he was lifted But we considered him stricken and afflicted Just like the prophets predicted He came at the proper moment to stop his opponent And lay down his life to offer atonement He's the most magnificent The total antithesis of insufficient, The blessed, the glory extended, transcendent, If it took to comprehend Independent of space and time But presently present Suspending the heavens with speech From coast to coast He speaks peace to wind and seas Got heavenly hosts easily posted on bended knees Controls the cosmos with the most authority So we both in the most He's the priest. sovereign thriller, the awesome healer, the law fulfiller, the solemn killer, the fraud revealer, no god goddess willer, yeah. We can take any time in the scripture, put the gate the prime in the picture. See his light turning right in the night and it's fright in the night and the diamond in the mixture. See his name at all the renown though, when he came for the loss that he found low. He was tamed in floss all around, but remained for the manger, the cross or the clown. Yo, Satan had a trip hold on him, Fight for the rope, but open in. R the eyes to the S to the E to the N, that's what we hoping in.
3: Risen on his spell check, the risen king can rinse clean, the most rebellious. I was hellbound, bound now I'm so Word is born, I'm a born servant to the word of life, Oh uh, call me a sellout, I was bought with a price, we gotta hope that won't fail us when we return to the dust, we will rise up just like the one who justified us, it's not wishful thinking when the truth's thinking, we are clinging to the promises that God bringing an everlasting kingdom. Nothing can compare to the worth of what we inherited, nothing in heaven known earth can measure what Christ merited, the skies declare the affairs of his glorious care, the God who is there, who's aware,
1: who delights in our prayer, his purposes are permanent and perfectly prepared fortunate. Everything that orbits around his
3: glory subordinate. He is the most excellent one. Intrinsic, infinite son. Pre-eminent, the name, par excellence, prenom phenomenon. He's beyond
5: phenomenon. You see, the father of cosmology, the ava of astronomy. He's Potter of we, a pottery. It's shocking Jesus died for me. The father, he adopted me and constantly provides for me. Whether or not I got degrees, you gotta see his odyssey. From sovereignty and lottery, to poverty and robbery, to resurrected bodily apocalyptic prophecy. He's stopping all the mockery and scholarly snobbery that don't Acknowledge him
1: properly. You ought to be on bended knee before thee. Preeminent, it's awfully arrogant to reject him to your detriment. Study the development from Old to New Testament. You'll find a theme that's prevalent from age to age. It's relevant. Christ on its center stage. Forget religious sentiments that center on man. But something less is what you settling. He is the most excellent, exercising benevolence and blessing a remnant with the benefits of this inheritance. Yeah. The sinners, sinners that separated and segregated, that severed the relations between man and his maker and placed Christ on his Costly cross and compensated his life, death, and resurrection, emancipated and gave us freedom from it all, freedom from the effects of the fall, freedom from Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden and from the law, So the saints stand and applaud his grace and glorious
5: cause with hands raised, praising his name, singing glory to God. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, sister,
6: free. Christ, sister, free.
7: A generational shift. This is Ken Ham, whose ministry has produced the family-friendly Answers Bible Curriculum. A massive generational shift has occurred in America. Now what do I mean? Well, in the past, there was a veneer of Christianity in the culture. Most people believed in God and got their morality from the Bible. But the younger generations have stripped that veneer away. Now the West is dominated by a very secular worldview. As we'll see this week, this secular worldview is very different from what past generations believed and it's just based on the sand of man's word. Ultimately, what's happened is a change in foundation. The thinking of today's younger generations is based on the foundation of man's word rather than God's word. And we're seeing the horrible consequences.
0: Discover more about the truth of God's word and the gospel at AnswersRadio.com. Find resources for the whole family to help teach a biblical worldview at AnswersRadio.com.
5: Hey, yo, they said it was over, man. They said it was over. But it ain't over. We just getting started. Yo, 7,000, we all at. Let's go! Stand up, stand up. If you truly love the Son of Man, trust. Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive and his fame is going to spread across the land. What's up? Stand up, stand up. Does anybody love the Son of Man? Trust. Jesus is the King, so his people we will sing and forever stay worthy as the Lamb. What's up? Surprise, no surprise, I'm back in your section. With Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. resurrection, more power than gravity, his knowledge and strategies confound the academy, bow to his majesty, he paid sin salary, took up blame on Calvary, those who love his name spread his fame into policy, all eyes on the match with of his sacrifice, let's I our master Christ and rise, rise in the afterlife, what did we forget about the holiness of God or something, did we forget that God owes us a rod or something, see the snake bruise, when Christ came to save dudes who hate truth, the gospel is not fake news. The gospel sweeter than it's ever been Ain't nothing changed, let us then we got the medicine It's still human emergency, the serpent attack You think Jesus can't face That's alternative facts Stand up, stand up If you truly love the Son of Man Trust, Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive And his fame is going to spread across the land The cat to my composition. Lots of rhythm but not tradition, no kind of different. But God's consistent, no contradiction, my proposition. Through crucifixion, he might and crippled his opposition. It's not some fiction I'm spitting, the Son of God is risen. And my incentive for godly living is I'm forgiven. Jesus came to unlock the prison. And through the Spirit, he brings a new birth like an obstetrician. At times I listen, a lot of Christian hip-hop is missing. The proper vision is my suspicion we drop mission. Not to this, but the word of God, is it not sufficient? The doctrine is that the gospel fixes our shot condition. God the Spirit supplies conviction through contradiction Against the backdrop of our prediction, the gospel glisten. A squad of Christians go out and witness a God's commission. Cause Jesus Christ got the top position, no competition.
1: Stand up, hand up. If you truly love the Son of Man, trust Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive and his fame is gonna spread across the land. What's up? Stand
5: up, hand up. Does anybody love the Son of Jesus in the background like elevator music But we gon' celebrate them relegate them we refuse it They hate Christian hip-hop, I peep myself They say we too redundant, well let me repeat myself What I gotta say almost feels too real estate Sit back and feel the way to win a real estate Cause yo, Jesus Christ got me in into real estate I'm purchased property, I feel like a real estate If the father wasn't gracious, no synonym I can He came straight blameless, no synonym I can't Nothing's in the same sense, no synonym I can't blackest fragrance, no synonym, this is not the picture in a frame to still Jesus, nah we serve the rock the harder than still Jesus, so how are we going to be silent, let the world still Jesus, when the world and its trends pass away, it's still Jesus, bend up, uh, bend up, uh, if you truly love the son of man, trust, Jesus is alive and his
1: people he'll revive and his fame is going to spread across the land.
7: They don't care if God exists this is Ken Ham a missionary to our evolutionized culture and even to the church according to a new survey 43% of young adults in America don't know care or believe God exists 43% this shows how secular America has become particularly in the younger generations and this lack of belief in God influences their moral beliefs Less than half of them believe you should treat others as you want them to treat you. Four in ten say you should get even with others. These beliefs are very different to those held by previous generations. Now, if we want to influence these very secular generations for Christ, we must
0: understand that
7: the battle is on a foundational level. Man's word? or God's Word.
0: Get answers to encourage you in your faith when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com. You'll find answers to your questions and the hope of the gospel at AnswersRadio.com.
5: Yeah They don't come close to understanding How you can go from most demanded To abandoned in the ocean stranded Surrounded by the waves of your weariness Some things you only learn from Age and experience And it's plain to me that all the famous men you see The time is coming when they will be a faded memory Cause one day you hot The next day you not One day you on top Next day you get dropped Yeah What in the world was your mind thinking? You couldn't see the sands of time sinking Cause one day you hot The next day you not one day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah. Better plans for the future, kid. Time catches up to everyone, no matter who yeah. it is. Whatever happened to so-and-so, that's what they want to know. Eventually we learn that they all come and go. Today's rising star, tomorrow dies with scars. Today they all struck, tomorrow you washed up. On the seriously, welcomed by the few, even no experience to tell you that it's true. On your radio station, this won't be found on the playlist. Wisdom, the sound of the stages resounded for ages. The older I get, I notice it. The whole of the script. In the pages, a holy writ, not the cash speech of the reverend, but what a man sees under heaven. Ecclesiastes 111 No matter who you are, death aims to stop ya. Whether banker, doctor, or Frank Sinatra, before your time is done, meet the timeless one, the dying, death-defying, rising, shining sun. King Jesus astounds and amazes. He pounded the pavement to save those who were bound to their cages. So let us praise the one who made the Everglades. Our debt was paid, so in glory we'll never fade, never fade, never fade.
7: A little of this and a little of that This is Ken Ham, author, speaker and blogger On why we can trust the Bible What's the dominant religion of today's young people? Well, as we've seen this week they're very secular. Many don't know or even care if God exists and their morality is just based on opinion. Well, according to one researcher, this religion is syncretism, a blend of little bits and pieces from a bunch of different religions. It's all about being happy and feeling good. There's no room for sin, absolute truth or personal responsibility in this worldview. It's all about me, and what makes me feel good right now. If we want to reach these precious souls with the gospel, we must help them understand that God determines truth and He's rebuilding in His Word.
0: Subscribe to receive free daily email insights from Ken Ham when you visit our website at AnswersRadio.com and listen to this program again by going to AnswersRadio.com
5: Yeah! It's like deja vu, right? So I'm back, but nobody was asking where I'd been, cause Christ in the music is no longer the hot trend. Logic says, well maybe I should just stop then, but I never got into this for a spot in the top ten. I do this for one reason, Jesus the true king, son, to help God's elect obey Hebrews 3-1. And though the rap world is ever crowded, if heaven allows it, I'll keep writing for the 7,000. I know you out there, I still get the emails, I guess the church of Christ, the gates of hell will never prevail. It's sounding on the rock, and the gospel never stops, so we dropping the topic, whether it's Popular or not, sin is not just toxic and the clock is going to stop. God is not to be boxed with the wrath, the God is burning hot. We were locked in sin's closet, our conflict was cosmic. God plotted to stop and hit the demonic with a shot. I was copping narcotics, agnostic with a plot, no optic for the knowledge of the God who often not. Jesus rocked me with the gospel and it tied me up and knots. So I hopped in the rocket and met the prophet at the top. Yo, that's just another way of saying I met God in the scriptures. But we just gonna let that breathe for a second. You know what I mean? The Bible says He who has been forgiven much loves much. We're going to talk about BC a little bit. He was total, not small like Pops I was chained to sin, I couldn't take off the locks I thought I was a player, a mask with the flavor So y'all know what the time is, but I ain't read Isaiah I would chuckle daily as I paid for disgrace My eyes were always puffy like I got sprayed with mace I would took my horn at parties and I would do bars Got so intoxicated I was ready to do Mars Notorious for acting pretty silly in my teddy Philly Friends hear about it and be like, whoa, did he really? Because I played dirty, Bill Lambert style Through great mercy, spirit filled and dear Child went from so gritty to headed
1: to a gold city. In Christ I shine, the world's like no biggie. Whatever time to sing, I'm putting faith on the song. 112 displayed in John, the way to respond. When his patience runs out, then it's time for the rod, man. Microwave wrath of God, fam That's why because of
5: Christ I got mad joy. All I'm saying is I used to be a bad boy, but Nowadays, I'm regenerated, born again from above fam. How else can I say they went from various vices To a kid that's married to Christ Using literary devices to spit is very precise My conversion to the master was so dramatic I just wanted to be an ambassador or fanatic The gospel was my tonic, with Christ I couldn't lose But to walk with God like Enoch, I knew I couldn't cruise This walk is a beast, but nothing's greater than the cross Saw the mark of the east and the raiders of the laws While power records were choosing in the carry G unit I was on that revolutionary theme music the brothers from the Lou held it down as well But we noticed a big stiff in 2012 Around the time Jackie asked me about Calvinism Christian hip hop found a different algorithm And crossed over without taking the crossover Made us all sober Years later, is it all over? Asked me if I was still motivated. I was quiet, but I wanted to say no, I hate it. Cause brothers in your camp causing lots of confusion. I love them as brothers in Christ, but not their conclusions. They want to reach the world by all means, keep pursuing it. But tell me why they got to diss the church? Why they doing it? That's what I wanted to say, but I ain't say it though. But no more laying low. I want them to play it slow, and I ain't dissing them. My prayers are the proof, like Boaz without Ruth is unity without truth. CH is like gorillas in the mist with no brotherly love. It's like Philly donut. Exists. what's happening here, it's a different atmosphere, cats appear most concerned about a rap career, career. brothers overseas being slain in the sand, while we're vain in our plans taking fame in some fans, and I ain't got time to philosophize, Satan got a plot device, I'm seeing lots of guys apostatized, on top of all that, Donald Trump's the president, it's all good though, cause Jesus Trump's the president, so more than ever, I'm trying to rep the Lord who bled, and we ain't never gonna stop, word to Corey Red, I'm just trying to give a healthy demonstration, of theocentric Music for the selfie generation See the problem is sin, no riddle in it Cause all sin got I in the middle of it We're mad, depraved, and truly evil We need to be born again without a Matt Damon movie sequel In the gospel, God addresses our depravity The Lamb slain at Calvary, the depths of His agony He rose from the grave with the funding grace So when we come in faith, He'll bring us up from the sunken place Our sins decrepit, depths left the mess No rest was left till Jesus put death to death The beauty of the victory truly is a mission the cross of Jesus Christ is at the nucleus of history Before the cross, they were saved on credit After the cross, we've been saved on debit Since our champion in the great war suffered we gon' going to proclaim his death like the Lord suffered So welcome to the Still Jesus Project Yo, we just getting started and we got a lot left
7: A very distant God? This is Ken Ham, CEO of the ministry that built a full-size Noah's Ark south of Cincinnati. We saw earlier this week that nearly half of young adults in America don't know, care, or believe God exists. But what about those who do believe in God? Well, it's largely not the God of the Bible. You see, the younger generations are very secular and sometimes they just sort of add God on top. But it's not the one true God, the God of the Bible. Usually their God is distant, unconcerned with us, There's no such thing as sin, and all good people go to heaven. Life's about being happy, making others happy, and feeling good about yourself. This worldview doesn't match with the Bible, and it doesn't save. Only belief in Christ, the true biblical Christ, saves.
0: Plan your visit to our full-size Noah's Ark with three decks of exhibits when you go to AnswersRadio.com. Children enjoy free admission this year. Visit AnswersRadio.com. (laughs) Baddy dum doom, doom,
1: Everybody knew, sharper than a tack on the end of a gets She graduated number one and had to give a speech. What would she say? What would she teach? She knew about God and this was a chance. She could bust a move or be afraid to do the dance. She told the truth and everybody heard. She got brave because she understood if you want to bear proof. Come on. Bah, bah.
7: A religion of sand. This is Ken Ham, author of the new book Divided Nation, Cultures and Chaos and a Conflicted Church. This week we've looked at the religion of sand, one that's captured so many in the younger generations. In this religion man is God, man makes the rules and man determines truth. So what's the church to do? Well what the true church has always done throughout history is is believe and obey God's word, preach the gospel, refuse to water down the truth. How can we do that? Well, it starts with each individual Christian committing to knowing, believing, defending, and proclaiming God's word and the gospel message, and then teach others to do the same. So be reading God's word, get answers to the questions of our day, and boldly share the truth.
0: Discover more about reaching generations for Christ, starting with your own family at AnswersRadio.com. You'll find Christ-centered resources at AnswersRadio.com.
8: What is the definition of justification? It is when God legally declares you righteous, determines that you are never going to be looked at as a sinner again, and he will forever see you as a righteous one. It is a legally binding forever declaration made in heaven by God himself. That is our definition. But I have a question for you. Do you get it? It's one thing to have knowledge of a subject. It is another thing to get it. So I would ask you, like Milton Vincent had to do, do you really understand this doctrine? I think
9: over the years, prior to 10 years ago, I would have agreed with this definition. If you asked me, I probably would have even defined it in a way that was close to this. But I think... I treated it as some sort of legal fiction, and I kind of would imagine God, you know, in a moment of failure in my life, and I come into his presence, I sort of would imagine God saying, yeah, Milton, technically you're justified, Uh, legally you're justified, but I'm angry with you anyway for what you did today, and I didn't understand that my justification actually would rule out that possibility. Let me add to this definition, justification is not just a legal act of God in which he decides to think of our sins as forgiven and to think of Christ's righteousness as belonging to us, but we need to realize God binds himself to this decision forever, and God says in addition to this, having made this decision about you today, I'm telling you now, I will never think another thought about you that is not fully governed by this decision. I will never allow myself to feel any feeling with regard to you or towards you that is not fully shaped and governed by this decision that I am rendering today. As your sovereign God, I will never allow anything in your life. I will never do anything to you or allow anyone or anything else to do anything to you that is not fully governed by this decision that I am rendering today. I will never show you, you will never see another countenance Uh, On my face towards you, that is not fully governed by this decision that I am making regarding you today. That's the doctrine of justification.
8: Do you really get that? Do you understand that an unbeliever only receives God's malevolent gaze? But when you are in Christ, through faith, God only looks at you benevolently oh. That is the doctrine of justification. Those are our first two truths. But there is a third glorious truth of the doctrine of justification. Oh, don't worry. Your cake is going to be ready for your baby show.
2: That was from Wretched, and that's the, from our YouTube page. It said, Are You Legally and Personally Forgiven? And... That is from episode 2809. So check that out on their website, wretched. That's org, W-R-T-C-E-D dot org. And once again, episode 2809 to check out the full episode. And they have a, a radio show too. That was their TV show, but they also have a radio show. And also know, I guess, podcast these days and check that out at wretched.org wretched.org and thanks for listening meaningless me Miss here at Truth Be Told Radio and now I invite you to get social with us
10: get social with Truth Be Told Radio check us out on our Facebook like page at Truth Be Told Radio you can find our website at truthbetoldradio.com that is T-R-U-T-H-B-E-T-O-L-D-R-A-D-I-O dot C-O-M. TruthBeToldRadio.com Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or want to tell us anything? Send those emails to TruthBeToldRadioShow at gmail.com. Remember, by sending us your email, you give us permission to read it on the air. So write us at TruthBeToldRadioShow at gmail.com. If you like to read blogs, we've got you covered. Check out ours at truthbetoldradio.blogspot.com. That's truthbetoldradio.blogspot.com. Also, follow us on Twitter as Truth, the letter B, then Told Radio. That is T-R-U-T-H-B-T-O-L-D-R-A-D-I-O. Once again, that is Truth, the letter B only, not B-E, Told Radio. This is due to the restraints for Twitter's username link. Finally, to learn the testimony of Melissa Canchoa, the hostess of Truth Be Told Radio, see smilesandstuff.com. That's s m i l e s a n d s t u f f dot C-O-M. Smilesandstuff.com. So stay social with us, and thanks for listening to Truth Be Told Radio.
2: That's all I got for a trip to the I'm going to go out with Yanti and friends in the B I League. Bye for now.